Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 328. Tell a story. Always tell a story. Everything you do is nothing but a story. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ron Adams. Ron, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. Great to have you here. Ron Adams is the editor-in-chief at Via Corsa in Scottsdale, Arizona. Since 2009, Via Corsa has published three award-winning sports car travel guidebooks. He explores the world and visits all those places automotive enthusiasts like you and me dream about, bringing destinations to the reader through stories and photographs, both in print and digital formats. Ron provides a unique opportunity to explore local events, regional destinations, and exotic locations around the world, all wrapped in an automotive theme. Via Corsa is the car traveler's magazine for people, places, and events. So, Ron, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your business and, of course, your passion for travel and automobiles? Sure, of course. Thank you, Mark. The passion for travel really began when I was quite young, my first trip was to London, England, and I remember the trip being really a, a journey into the automobile world of London, England. In other words, is the chaperones would bring us to the art museums and the history museums. All I remember is seeing really cool English cars. <laughs> so it really began at a very early age and then continued throughout my life, throughout my travels. Everywhere I went was a new journey into looking for spotting and wanting the cars that I saw from around the world. And uh, over the years, I saw a lot of really cool stuff, uh, both as a youngster and up through recently. I, I traveled to Germany on the Autobahn when I was about 14, 15. Fascinating experience. Uh, New Zealand and Australia also saw stuff you'd never see here. And uh, I, I'm not sure the chaperones were real happy about that. You know, <laughs> They wanted for us to really take away the art and culture of the, the places we would travel, and uh, I, I didn't. I took away the cars and the, the, the owners that, uh, that I saw instead. Very cool. Yeah, that, that passion really continued up through uh, college into adulthood and has been going strong ever since. Well, I love that. And you know, cars and the people around cars can be art and culture as far as I'm concerned. 
uh, definitely design can be art. So I think that's really neat. And especially the fact that you took these childhood experiences and created and built them into a vocation, into a business. And we're going to learn a little bit more about Via Corsa and what you're doing. I know your first publication just came out of the new magazine, right? That, that's correct. Yeah, fantastic. And I noticed on the cover it's a, a visit to Cuba. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's right. Now, that's not me who went to Cuba. I uh, had Brenda Pretty go to Cuba. Uh, I wrote a number of the articles in the premiere issue and will continue to write, but uh, Cuba was just a step beyond my uh, travel abilities. I had to refer that one to an expert. Well, very cool. Look forward to getting a copy of that. So as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra of some kind. It's a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ron, take the wheel. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. I'll have a little short story about it, too, to tell you how the uh, quote came about. Cool. Last year, 2014, I went to a magazine conference uh, organized in, uh, of all places, Mississippi. And how and where I ended up in Mississippi is a story unto itself. But the person I met was a fellow by the name of Keith Bellows, a name some people may recognize, others may not, but he used to be the editor-in-chief of National Geographic Traveler magazine. Oh, yeah. So he's, uh, he's an important kind of guy. And uh, I approached Mr. Bellows and said to him, I've got a problem, and I'd like to have you help me. You're presenting a travel magazine to the world talking about really exotic locations that people aren't going to go to. And in this case, he was talking about the Antarctic. I don't know about you, but I'm never going to go there. I'd like <laughs> to, but it's just one of those places I don't think I'm ever going to make. I said, how do you connect with the reader when you talk about places knowing very well that virtually no one's ever going to go there? And his advice is real simple. Tell a story. Mm. Always tell a story. Everything you do is nothing but a story. To which I, I asked him, so does that mean you hire travel writers? No, no, no. I don't hire travel writers. I hate travel writers, he said. I want storytellers. Mm. So his words of advice is a words of advice that I'm moving forward with, and that's to always tell the story. You know, I love that. That's a lot of what we're doing here on Cars Jazz. I'm having guests like you come on board and tell me stories about your life. Tell me about how you've created a life around your passion for cars. So I think he offered you some great advice. People love stories. And lots of times these uh, writers, if you will, that are not really storytellers, but they're they're doing something different, uh, leave you wanting more, I think. So I'm hoping as I get a hold of your first publication and our readers all, I encourage them to get a copy as well. We all can go along with your writers and uh, enjoy the story along with the ride. I think that's fantastic. How have you incorporated that philosophy into what you've done up to this point? I know you guys tell stories with your publications. That is, is that what you've always done? Well, no, that's, that's more of a recent thing. Uh, when you look back at what we've done in the past, we've done guidebooks. And guidebooks, by virtue of being guidebooks, are relatively dry, information-only publications. I was never really very comfortable with that. And is it, And when you look to the guidebooks, you see I try to introduce tiny sidebar stories for that very reason. I've always liked that storytelling approach. But again, guidebooks being guidebooks, you don't have that storytelling chance. It's information and, and content only. It's not really anything that 
involves the reader or moves the reader or drives the reader in any sort of emotional way. So in, in doing the guidebooks, I threw out these little tidbits here and there, and then they're sporadic. And uh, I was really frustrated by that. I was never really happy I couldn't elaborate on these stories. That's something that really drove the magazine, is uh, to move away from this content-only format and move into the storytelling realm. And it was really only the deal was sealed when, when I heard from Mr. Bellows, where he just simply said, tell a story. Forget the travel writer, do the storytellers. And I said, okay, that, that's it. I'm on the right path. He reinforced that. And, uh, you know, here's where we're at now. You know, I think you are on a right path. I've had many editor-in-chiefs of automotive-specific publications here on Cars, yeah. And I'm hearing that theme over and over again. And I like that a lot of car magazines are moving to that approach, that their writers are telling stories. The, the experience they have of getting in that vehicle and driving, not just stating the dry facts, this much horsepower, this fast, zero to 60, but they're telling about their experience in the vehicle. So I think you're on a very good path there. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? I'd love to hear about that pivotal moment as you remember it in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Well, you know, as I said, back when I was a youngster, I'd go on these trips around the world. But the cars that really were interesting for me were, were really anything and everything. In fact, in Australia, I remember really being fascinated with, uh, you know, Mercedes Unimogs, if, if you know what those oh, are. Oh, yeah, those big, big military beasts. trucks things. So growing up in Colorado, I was, I was kind of a four by four kind of guy. And, uh, you know, my dream car was a Land Rover and I owned a, a Chevy Blazer. And, you know, I was on the path to mud bogging or something. I don't know <laughs> where I would have gone if, if this, this hadn't happened. And uh, this, this is the story of what turned me on to sports cars. I was in college in upstate New York in Rochester, and I got a phone call from my sister, of all people. And she said, uh, Ron, I, I just bought a Ferrari. Oh, wow. You're crazy. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, you know, we have a little bit of money, and, and we bought a Ferrari. And I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you, should, you should buy stocks or, or, or bonds. Let's, let's do some high-yield bonds, you know. Let's buy a Ferrari. And she said, oh, yeah, well, you know. It's a car. It's cool. So I, I hated ID. I thought that was the stupidest thing she'd ever done. And uh, over that Christmas break, flew back to Colorado to visit my sister. And of course, you know, the first thing she said was, well, uh, let me show you something. Yeah. And, uh, and winter in Colorado was cold. So it was, it was negative 20 degrees with wind chill. It was freezing cold at night. The flight arrived in the evening. Oh, my gosh. And uh, th two, three feet of snow. And she walked me through the uh, snow banks and snow drifts to her detached garage where they opened up the door and flipped on that fluorescent light, you know, the one flickering kind of poorly up above. Yeah. There below it was this 308 GTS, the Magnum PI 308. And I just stood there in awe. <laughs> oh, my God, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Can I, may I touch it? <laughs> oh, yeah, get in. You know, of course, you couldn't drive it. But, boy, you know, I, I got in that car. I sat in that car. I, I looked at the... The leather and the steering wheel and the speedometer that went a whole lot faster than any sort of Unimog. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I, I was enthralled. I was entranced. I was spellbound by this car. And, um, of course, within the week, I owned a Ferrari myself then, too. <laughs> Didn't get to drive it. Of course, you know, it's not like the snow melts in Colorado very quickly, uh, yeah. especially in December. But uh, within a week, I was a proud owner of a um, really terrible 308 GTB. I mean, the thing was just a piece of garbage, but boy, it was it was my first uh, first sports car ever, and I, I loved it dearly. 
Wow. Well, what a great story. And uh, your sister's influence on you, she definitely made it so that you got bit by the bug. And to get bit by the bug and have your first one be a Ferrari, wow, that's quite a step. So (laughs) very cool. May I add a a very cheap Ferrari? Back then, back in the day, these were not expensive cars. They were, uh, you know, a a new Hyundai would be more expensive than one of these things. Yeah, those 308s, they made probably more of those than any Ferrari model ever. So they were a car that you could step into that mark with and and have some fun. But uh, still, very cool cars. And uh, they're coming up in value nowadays, just as the rest of the Ferrari tide has risen all those prices the way it has. Yes, yes, it has. In fact, I always kind of keep an eye out for that particular car to see if I ever see it up for sale again. There you go. I have a friend who's looking at one right now. Maybe uh, I can turn you on to that one. But um, if he's listening, Bill, uh, he's probably going, no, no, don't tell anybody about that car. So we'll keep that one quiet for now. Ron, what I'd love to do now is crawl into the hood and take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and ask you to share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. And the more important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? What did you learn from it? Well, to start with, the, uh, the guidebooks were actually relatively simple. When I decided, hey, let's do the guidebooks, and of course, that's a, a story unto itself. It was a pretty easy process. Bought some guidebooks, looked through them, made a guidebook. Really wasn't very difficult. As, of course, as the guidebooks progressed and uh, we published several and decided to switch over to a magazine, then the problems became, you know, the, the, problems, the problems started. And uh, I had no idea what to do. Uh, I I'd looked at magazines. I'd looked, talked to people who were in the magazine business. And for almost literally a year, I just sat in front of the computer staring at the screen. Like, I, I, I don't know what's next. I have no idea what the next step is. And... Really, anyone can see the problem. You can, you can pick up any guidebook and then compare it to any magazine. It doesn't necessarily have to be mine. And realize that a magazine is far more complex, uh, both in design and content. Of course, there's that storytelling element that uh, you really have to involve, and really everybody now tries to involve. And uh, I just sat there dumbfounded. It just There was no answer. There was no solution. In fact, I'm not even sure what the real problem was. I knew there was a difference, but I didn't know what the real question or nor answer was. And um, the way that sorted itself out was actually, believe it or not, me hiring someone. So I had to uh, I had to step out and step up uh, step up to step up my game and go find someone who knew what they were doing. And that was kind of a tough thing to finally admit, you know, hey, I don't have all the answers and I don't know what I'm doing finally. And and I hired someone, the consultant, uh, a very good one by the way, but I'll I'll keep his name private for now and uh, he showed me the ropes. He, uh, he's the one who actually was instrumental in, in getting me to Mississippi and introducing me to Keith Bellows. And uh, that's the problem. That was the solution. And, and now we're on a roll. Awesome. Well, great lesson here for those entrepreneurs listening. Surround yourself with people who know what they're doing and, and never be afraid to admit that you don't know what it is you're doing and you need some help. Because once you take that step, Everything starts to open up, and uh, Ron's story is a wonderful example of that. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. I like to say it's when the headlights came on and illuminated your way for that new idea or that new direction you had, and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. 
Well, the aha moment came when my wife was pregnant with my first, with with our first child. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that's what she uh, what she wanted us to do is sort of the sort of couples bonding experience was to go baby clothes shopping, <laughs> and and during this first pregnancy we go baby clothes shopping and. The next day we go baby clothes shopping, and then the next day we go baby clothes shopping. <laughs> and eventually, as we would go baby clothes shopping, I um, got permission somehow to uh, go to the local Barnes and Noble, that was next to these uh, baby clothes shopping stores, yeah, and uh, cruise around Barnes and Nobles, or uh, in this case, just the one Barnes and Nobles happened to be surrounded by baby clothes stores. <laughs> a chance coincidence, I suppose. I think they designed it that way so the dads have a place to go. Right, exactly. So as I um, would wander around these bar- this Barnes and Nobles, and uh, I'd read the magazines and read the books, uh, salespeople or the uh, helpers would come up and ask you, "May I help you, sir?" No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. And uh, this would go on for days and weeks. And finally, some poor kid came up to me and said, "May I help you, sir?" I'm sure at this point he knew exactly uh, my answer because he asked me that dozens of times before. And I said, "Yeah." Yeah, sure. You know what? You can help me. He was bored. I was bored. And so I just started making stuff up. (laughs) Do you have any um, car museum books? Well, he took me seriously. Of course. Oh, well, I don't know. Let's let's go go see. So I went to his computer. Tip, 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 tip. No, no, sir. We don't have any car museum books. So now I'm trying to stump him. I'm seeing if, you know, if I can think of anything else for him to do. Sure. Uh, do you have any uh, car drive books? You know, I'm not talking the RV stuff. I'm talking about sports car drive books. Again, he took me very seriously and tip, tip, tip. No, no, sir. We don't have any of those either. Hmm. Well, all right. How about, you know, this went on and on. And then it occurred to me that night. It's like, you know, nobody's doing this. Yeah, big gap. I should do this. <laughs> why, why don't I do this? I can do this. You know, I, I know car museums. I love car museums. I've spent my life traveling, looking for car museums. Again, much to the dismay of the chaperones who would try to show us, you know, art museums. I would be off to the cars. You know, I, I know all this stuff. So um, it hit me that night. It's like, you know, let's do a guidebook. Let's do a car book. Let's let's do something that answers these questions. So this kid at Barnes and Nobles can say. Yes, sir. There is a book. Here it is. Yeah, it's Ron's book. Yeah. <laughs> I love so. that. I love that. You know, that another great golden nugget you dropped for us there is looking for an opening in the market somewhere for something that people can't get their hands on and providing that to people. I think it's fabulous. I'm sure you've had many proud moments in your career, Ron, but is there one in particular you could share with us that really stands out? Oh, there absolutely is. When I finished up the German guidebook... I was in the process of sending out all the um, guidebooks to media personalities, media companies for reviews. And, you know, typically this really was a, a dead-end road. I really never heard back from anyone. They never really did very many reviews. I mean, and over, over the course of time, a couple actually eventually did. But you sent out 100 guidebooks to 100 different um, magazines for book reviews and 100 different TV shows and maybe one calls back. So in this case, you know, I sent out my um, German guidebook, and uh, I sent one to Jay Leno's Garage. Cool. And uh, two days later, I got a phone call, much to, to my dismay. And it was a producer at Jay Leno's Garage. Introduced himself, and of course, you know, I'm completely stoked about this. It's like, what's, you know, what's, what's going to happen? Yeah. And uh, the producer said, um, well, Mr. Adams, we've got your guidebook. Thank you. 
uh, can you be in Burbank day after tomorrow? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. To which he's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. It's Jay Leno, for goodness sake. Yeah, so um, he, he said that he would like to have, uh, have me appear on Jay Leno's garage. Wow. And uh, immediately hung up the phone, screamed to the wife, pack up the kids, we're going to Disneyland. Yeah. And um, it's, what? Huh? What happened? What's going on? Said, hey, I got a call from NBC. It's, the, it's a producer there at Jay Leno's garage. We're going to California, and uh, we've got to be there in 48 hours, and we've got a spot on Jay Leno's garage, or, and uh, we've, we've got to you know, start packing. Yeah. And uh, there you go. I mean, we, we packed it all up. We dropped the kids off at Disneyland, and I went up to uh, Burbank and uh, appeared on Jay Leno's garage. And uh, he did about a 10-minute interview about the um, Carl Lover's Guide to Germany. Very cool. I love it. Well, I love what he's doing with his uh, YouTube show. I really enjoy watching his experiences with all different people. I've had many of my guests who've appeared on Jay Leno's garage, and now I can say I've got another one. So. Now, if I could just get Jay on cars, yeah, that's my next goal. So <laughs> one of these days I'll get him here. How about having a little fun here? What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory with that vehicle, you mentioned that GTB that you purchased. Maybe that's the one. But what was that first really special car? Well, the, the first sports car was that Ferrari. Uh, that Ferrari was uh, purchased in the dead of winter. And uh, it was torture. <laughs> I had to go back to college. I had to go back to Rochester in New York to finish up my uh, degree. And, uh, you know, my brother teasingly, your brother-in-law would teasingly uh, call up and say, hey, the Ferrari's still here. We haven't taken it out. But send me pictures. And dang, you know, it's, it's, I've got this car back, you know, back in Colorado. I've, I've, met, you know, I've never even driven it. I've owned it now for four months. Spring break comes up. I'm on the first flight back to Denver. And... Uh, Got in the car, turned it on, revved it, had all those Ferrari sounds and smells, and uh, went off into the off into the sunset driving the car, only to have the horn short out on me. Oh no! <laughs> so you know the horns beeping and honking into these air horns. It's it's oh yeah. Use, so it's not beeping. It's it's blaring. Oh, they're loud. And oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> so you know, I tried to drive this car. I I love the car, but. Boy, this thing was just just so bad. It, did, it didn't run right because of the emissions and the air pumps and stuff and the horn going off. <laughs> and it was sort of this love-hate relationship with this car. Yeah. And uh, I remember the first, uh, the first week I drove it, I probably only drove it like two days and the rest was spent in service. Of course. But uh, that, was, that was the first special car and that, uh, that stayed around a while. But, you know, once the market went up in price back, and this is going back a long time now, this is back in the 80s. Yeah. The car was eventually sold off and, and replaced with others, but uh, that first week was uh, the sort of beginning of a love-hate relationship with Italian engineering. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember putting some of those Italian air horns in my Carmen Ghia when I was in high school, and I must have wired something wrong, and they did the same thing. I was driving to school one morning, and the horns just went off. It wouldn't stop, and eventually that little air canister ran out, and they kind of... <laughs> so I understand. Yeah, very embarrassing when you pull into the high school parking lot and everybody's going, what the heck happened to your car? Yeah, that exactly. doesn't sound like a German car. Is there a vehicle that you've sold, that you've let go, that you really wish you could have back in your garage? Oh, absolutely. After college, I moved to Germany and uh, moved to Munich. 
And living in Munich, I went out and bought something called a Jahreswagen. And a Jahreswagen is um, something owned by a BMW employee for one year and then sold back off in the marketplace as a used car. And as soon as I landed in Germany, I was immediately shopping for cars. And I thought nothing would be more appropriate, seeing as how I'm in Munich, Germany, than to buy a BMW Jahreswagen. And I bought a BMW E30 M3. Ooh. Oh, my God. I love that car. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a BMW M3 in Germany, too. So. Even better. So even better. And uh, I, I just love that. That was on the Autobahn. I, I remember hitting 250 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Uh, the first time. I, no air horns going off on that thing, maybe. It, it, it <laughs> no, it's German. Like it, 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 it worked. And uh, I spent next year or two in that car just absolutely loving it driving it driving on the autobahn driving on the secondary roads boy i miss that car that oh. that's hell on that you know those are awesome cars i have several friends with those cars my friend bill my friend douglas have those cars they're just spectacular i've been a big fan of bmw for a long time but that car remember when it came out and seeing that car driving around the 80s and just going, whoa, what have they done to that BMW? That is so cool. At that time, I couldn't afford one, so I was just lusting after them just like a 911. But uh, very fortunate, especially to have it in Europe. Oh, my gosh. And be able to drive it the way they should be driven. That's fantastic. Now, is there a current project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? I know the publication is new, so that's got to be the thing. But Maybe there's some uh, something in one of the new issues coming up that really has you excited. Well, yeah, it's always the next issue is the next project, and that's that's what excites me. But uh, part of the fun of doing this is is the fact that I can do a lot of the travels myself. And yes, I hire consultants. Yes, I hire contributors and editors. And I have a lot of people cover the stories that I can't do either because of time constraints or because they simply know the the place better like Cuba for Brenda Pretty. But one of the things that is really cool is we, and I say we as in my wife and I, just got to do something called the Ferrari Corso Pelota. Mm. And the Ferrari Corso Pelota is a school where you get to drive around brand new Ferraris. And not just one, you get to drive currently the F12, the, the 458 Italia, the Speziale, the California T. And we just got back, literally just like last week from one. And, uh, you know, I think I had a good time. She had a better time. <laughs> so this is, this is exciting for me. You know, the wife has always been there as a supporter. Uh, she's always got my back. She's got, uh, uh, she's, she's always been in the pits when I raced. And this is the first time that we as a couple really went onto the racetrack to, uh, to drive together. And um, we're doing it again. We already signed up for the next one. So uh, in a couple of months, we're going to be at Circuit of the Americas, Corsa Pelota Advanced School. And uh, you know, I said to her, well, you know, are you sure you're okay doing the advanced? I mean, maybe you want to do the basic. It's a new track. Are you kidding me? No, I want to do the advanced. <laughs> yeah, baby. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine by me. Let's, let's do it. So um, we're really excited about that. That's, uh, that's our next project. Oh, my gosh. I am jealous. How fortunate are you? That sounds like so much fun. Oh, goodness. And it's great that your wife's gotten so uh, excited about it as well, so you can do it together. That's fantastic. Or fantastico, as they would yeah. say in Italy. 
Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Ron. We'll learn a little bit more about you here on the way you answer this question. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, again, that's easy question. Okay. Uh, a Challenge Stradale. Oh, okay. That's a special one. So why is Ron a Challenge Stradale? A Challenge Stradale, a little bit of a backstory. Back, uh, back in the 90s, I started racing. And uh, I started with Skip Barber's, drove in the SCCA, uh, Skip Barber Formula Dodge, did the SCCA Formula Mazda. And, you know, these are all nice cars, and, and they really kind of hone your skills. But ever since I bought that first 308, that piece of crap car, <laughs> yeah, I, I had owned several, actually several nice Ferraris, ones that didn't break, ones that didn't have horns that went off in parking lots. Oh, there you go. And uh, I was really hooked on Ferrari. And uh, back in the 90s, in 94, they started something called the Ferrari Challenge. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the pinnacle. You know, I'm, not, I'm too fat and old to ever be a race car driver, too slow. I'll never be a professional, but boy, I love this uh, amateur stuff. Yeah. And the pinnacle, the ultimate, the, the thing you dream about is the Ferrari Challenge. They even, they even market it as the Gentleman Series. And uh, ever since I began racing back in the mid-90s, it's the Ferrari Challenge. I, this is what I want to do. I spent years racing these open wheel cars and always kind of wishing, you know, I want to do the Ferrari challenge. And finally an opportunity happened where I was able to drive a uh, Ferrari 360 challenge car in the Ferrari challenge in 2000 and 2001 and did pretty well actually. Uh, again, wasn't the fastest. They had some pretty good drivers there, but uh, finished fourth in the sprint series out of 50, 60 drivers. Wow, all right. And uh, won the Enduro Series. Cool. So this whole thing with the Ferrari Challenge has really become integral to my life. You know, we still have the shirts, the memorabilia. I made model cars in my car. And uh, still have pictures up on the wall. And it's really become some part of my identity. Mm -hmm. And uh, the car got crashed. Got totally destroyed at Watkins Glen. So I really couldn't move back into the Ferrari Challenge series. So instead, I went and got the next best thing, and that was a Ferrari Challenge Stradale, which is the street version of that race car I drove. Oh, yeah. And it's actually a step up from the, from the Challenge cars that they made for the track. And they're much better, in fact. And uh, right about the time of the birth of my daughter, right when I was beginning the um, guidebooks, I found the Challenge Stradale I liked, loved, totally, a, a, totally adored. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's my car. And uh, cool. had, that, had that Ferrari longer than I've had any other Ferrari. Had that car longer than I've had any other car. It's going on uh, 10 years now, which cool. is a long time for me to own a car. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's my car. That's who I'd be. You know, that's why I love this question, because it does bring out a lot more of your personality. And th in this case, a great story behind your passion for Ferrari and the fact that you got to race in the Challenge Series. Oh my gosh, what a fortunate guy. So very, very cool. Ron, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power 
and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Ron, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You've been a racer. You know what this means. The white flag is out. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, you know how they say never get attached to your car? (laughs) Just the opposite. Always be attached to your car. Yes, absolutely. I don't know who said that other one, but they were wrong. (laughs) Unless it's a really bad Ferrari, then you should just let it go and get something better. Right. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Living my job. Mm, Yeah, I love that. Every every day is living it. Um, Nights, weekends, all the time. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Not really. You know, the the resource isn't something that you find online. The resource is really in yourself, and that's the drive to simply get out and go explore the world. Mm, I like that. Very unique. I love it. Ron, is there a book in particular that you could share with our listeners you think they would really enjoy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a book called Side Glances by Peter Egan. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's culmination of all his stories and stuff that he had uh, written for Road and Track magazine over the years. Fantastic book. Fantastic author. Love to have him on the show. Great resource. And listeners, you can find this book and over 327 other books listed on the Cars yeah! website under Guest Recommended Books. Or just go to Ron's show notes page at CarsYeah.com. Ron Adams in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up. All right, Ron, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm writing that check, what would the one vehicle be and why? The only car that really has always been unobtainable, this car that I've always dreamt about, the, the car that really exemplifies everything, its passion and beauty, performance, is the Ferrari 275 GTB C competition. Incredibly rare, incredibly expensive, but by far the most beautiful Ferrari I've ever seen. And uh, something I would love to one day own, but you know, they're kind of pricey right now. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Well, let's talk about that car for just a second. That's a very special car, especially the C, the Competizione, competition model. But what is it about that car that just... Uh, does it for you. It's a car that Ferrari really split off from the main line. Up until that point, they've been doing the streetcars as race cars. The 250 GTO is kind of both. It was both a streetcar race car. It was something that, uh, of course, obviously the marketplace is deemed to be the most expensive car in the world. But when the 275 came out, they did the um, street versions. They did the four cams, the two cams, the alloys, the outside filler caps, and then they did the competition cars. It looks just like a street car, but 
it's a whole nother beast. Yeah. There's the appeal. Yeah. It oh. looks like a streetcar, but yeah, no, it, it isn't. Yeah, they're beautiful. Well, great choice. Boy, that's going to cost me today. I'm going to have to get my <laughs> big checkbook out for you. But I love your choice. Love that car. Fantastic. You have taken me on a great ride today, Ron. I knew you would, especially with what you're doing there at Via Corsa. And I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 275 GTBC Ferrari? Remember the old adage, is it the journey or the destination? It's, for me, always the journey. I think personally, when you get to the destination, it's the end. So for me, the uh, parting advice is to always enjoy that journey. Wonderful advice. Lots of wisdom there. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? You can visit us on Facebook at Via Corsa or, of course, our uh, website, viacorsa.com. Absolutely. And I would encourage our listeners to do that. Subscribe to this new magazine. It's absolutely fantastic. I love it. I love the concept of it. Of course, I'm a car guy, so I love everything about it. But uh, I wish you the best of luck and uh, look forward to receiving my issues. Listeners, you can find links again to everything we talked about today here at carsyad.com. Just put Ron in the search box. His show notes page will pop up with links to everything. Ron, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!